Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21 Sports. I'll have everything there. Sports betting, bitching about Detroit sports, horse racing, fantasy football takes, my five things through yesterday. They're on Twitter. On Instagram, at ETOF21 Sports underscore. Want to become part of the sports betting team? That's where you contact me. For my fantasy football hot takes, for my five things about yesterday, at ETOF21Sports underscore fantasy. And for everything horse racing, at ETOF21Sports underscore horse underscore racing. Yes, I post free horse racing picks there. We hit the early pick five at Belmont yesterday. Yeah, loaded day with the Belmont Stakes. Golfstream, picks will be up there. Great day of sports. I mean, this right now is a very underrated underrated. Weekend of sports, like I said, Belmont States, UFC card, MLB, NHL playoffs, French Open, NBA playoffs. Great weekend of sports. All your betting needs, reach out to me. Killing MLB, almost up 20 units for NBA playoffs. NHL, we're almost up 10 units for the playoffs. So we're doing well. You want to become a part of the team, reach out to me, and I will do my best to work with you. But that's the thing that kind of differs me from other cappers on here. A lot of the cappers on here, actually most of them, they want to take on as many clients as they can. And I'll be honest, for me, I limit everybody to 20. Why do I limit to 20? Because if you guys want help or ask a question, I want to be able to help you. I don't want to be swarmed with hundreds of clients and not be able to answer all the questions. I have my hands full of answering questions from 20 people, and that's why I limit myself to 20. Right now, one person reached out to me. They're going through some stuff, and they elected not to renew their membership, but they want me to save a membership for them, comeback football season, which I get and I respect. They're up front for me. So right now, I have one membership open, guys. One membership open, so if anyone wants to take that membership, reach out to me, and we will start the process. I also want to thank Gino Bacala for letting me go on his podcast, spin my crazy thoughts for over an hour about the NBA and everything going on. But with this being the NBA playoffs, a lot of stuff has happened since the last time I was on Gino's podcast and also this whole stuff with the Celtics. I feel I need to jump into it more. So that's kind of how today's podcast is going to go. It's going to be a lot of me talking about the NBA and some stuff that is going on. And of course, it is Saturday. You know what that means. Brando from Off the Post Boston Sports is going to be coming on, and him and I are going to be sharing our Sonoma picks. So let's jump right into this Boston Celtics thing. When Gino and I went on the air on Wednesday, all this stuff was first coming out, so we really didn't know the extent of it. And I made the statement that the Celtics should go after Sam Presti, and I still believe that. Now, granted, it didn't work out. Danny Ainge did a great job of accumulating all these assets, but let's face it, they didn't transcend anything. And with how much he dicked Isaiah Thomas, players don't want to be around that. Players remember what happened, and they don't want to be associated with that. And they see, if that happened to Isaiah Thomas, how is that going to happen to me? And when you have someone like AD, who's a top 15 player in the league, saying, hey, I don't want to go to Boston because of that, You have to make a change. I felt they should have made this a little while ago just because they weren't doing anything with those picks and weren't getting taking that next step. Now, in terms of making the switch and having Brad Stevens be in the front office, 
listening to Brian Scalabrini, he was very high off Stevens. is very analytic. He works with the medical staff. I know when he was at Butler, he was very high on the Ken Palm stuff and used that to scout teams. So, yeah, I get that. But you're putting someone in a position they've never had before and evaluating these players that just coached for him. So that's why I just, I don't like it. I really don't like it. I think Stevens is a great coach. I wish him nothing but the success, but I really, like I said, I think they should have gone after Sam Presti. What Sam Presti has done in Oklahoma, or at least get someone under Sam Presti. I mean, look at what Weaver's done in Detroit. Weaver has come in to the Pistons. They have three great young players in Bay, Haynes, and Stewart. And he signed Grant, who should have been an all-star, won the most improved player, and are in a position to get a top five, six pick in the draft. And they're building towards something. So all the players will be the same age when they're transcending toward the goal of trying to win a ship. So why not get someone under him? But instead to get someone who's never done it before doesn't make any sense to me. And I just, I don't like that move at all. Now, in terms of the replacements, I'm hearing a lot of stuff. Here's the top three I would go with for Boston Celtics replacements. Number one, Kara Lawson. What she did helping those guys, Marcus Smart, shoot like working on their technique with jump shooting and the whole roster, not just Marcus Smart, improved that team dramatically. And you listen to everybody talk. They all mention how much they missed Lawson. Now, because of COVID-19, her Duke team didn't play this year. They opted out of the season. I, that would be my first haul, and it would be a transcendent hire, the first female coach. And she related to the players. The players have nothing but positive things to say about her. And I really think she would be able to get through and get more out of these players because she's developed a lot of them. Next one, one of my favorite players of all times, Mr. Big Shot, Chauncey Billups. You look at this guy. He has a high basketball ITQ. He is a natural leader. He knows how to deal with with egos and superstars. And granted, he hasn't done it in the head position at the bench, but I really feel that he would be able to do it. And the thing is, is there's certain players that are just so well-liked. And Billups falls into that category because when he used to work in the ESPN studio, you could see how the players would react to him versus when they talked to Jalen Rose or Paul Pierce. He's just respected amongst the players at a different level than those other two that I mentioned. So that's why he, I think he would be a great leader, and he's a winner. He's won in this league before. He's won championships. Now, the last guy who I really feel has been overlooked too much, and the fact he doesn't have a job coaching yet is amazing to me, Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell is a winner. He's won titles in the NBA. He is been a longtime assistant, he knows how to manage egos, and he's well-respected, and he's he's a leader. And that's why it amazes me that he hasn't got a job yet when you look at his resume and these other people that are getting chances and not him. And one last guy who I know is probably not even getting any interview, but I'd love to see this guy get back into coaching because I think he's one of the, I think he got a raw deal, is Sam Mitchell. I think Sam Mitchell would come into Boston, he'd be well-respected, and the way he approaches the game would be insanely well-liked by 
the Boston faithful. So right there, those are the three guys who I would hire. I threw in Sam Mitchell, but I don't, again, unfortunately, I don't think the Celtics are going to give him an interview. In terms of the roster, I mean, you have Tatum and Brown. And the main thing with Tatum and Brown, and I've been saying it all year on the Gino Bacala podcast, is those guys just don't elevate anybody. And until you get someone in there that elevates some elevates people, it's going to be an issue. And Kemba Walker, because of his legs, he can't play back-to-back. Just way too inconsistent. And now you bring in Evan Fourier, and you got to decide basically between Fourier and Smart. And obviously, Smart's a two-way player. I would rather have Smart than Evan Fourier. Fourier. So, yeah, Stevens is going to have some tough decisions to make. And this is a reload for Boston. And who knows? Is Tatum even going to re-sign? I was reading some article that Tatum doesn't even want to be in Boston. So, I don't know. Boston is in a tough spot. Hopefully, with Stevens coming in there, and he is well-liked in the league, he can attract some players to Boston, and he can restore what the Celtics once were. Now, another team that made a push last year, and then this year, they didn't really perform as well. Heat culture. Here's the thing. like Heat fans never give props to everybody, but they get so defensive when anyone doubts their quote-unquote culture. Now, here's my problem with Heat culture. You look at teams across the NBA. What was the team that had some of the most COVID-related issues with players missing? Heat and the Heat quote-unquote culture. Bam Butler, Goran Grodix, Hero, Nunn, all missing games because of COVID issues. Now... Name another team whose two best players, Bam and Butler, missed time because of COVID issues. I can't think of one. I cannot think of one other team. I know Durant did, but Irving didn't. Actually, Irving did. But that was because he went to a party. So I, I, you know, it's, I, I, that one's a little different for me. This Heat team is a little, undisciplined off the court, and it shows by how many games they miss because of the COVID-19 restrictions and players testing positive. And then you look at them on the court. Goran Dragic trying to fight Middleton, not once, but twice during the series, and Middleton just walking away laughing. Trevor Ariza doing a push-up off of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Name one other former two-time back-to-back MVP that that would that has been done to never classless classless organization, and then you get Butler, the former player, Karan Butler, counting when Giannis is shooting three throws. I'm sorry, but if you're a former NBA player and your job on the sidelines is to count when Giannis Antetokounmpo is shooting three throws, get a new job, go to a new organization, because that is that's what. Someone lower, a lot lower on the fucking totem pole should be doing. But when you look at the Heat's roster, and this is my issue with the Heat's roster, their two cornerstones, Butler and Bam, they just can't shoot. You look at how the Bucks played Bam during the pick and roll, they just completely just dropped off of him and were forcing him to take that 15-footer that he was reluctant to take. He wouldn't take a jump shot. And then you look at Butler. 
Butler can't shoot a three-pointer to save him his life. I have never seen one player do more with his brand than Butler did last year in the playoffs. I mean, if you take last year out, what the fuck has Jimmy Butler done? What, like, literally, what has he done? I mean, you can say, well, look at what he did taking Minnesota to the playoffs. Look at what Tibbs did. Was that Tibbs or was that Butler? I don't know. I don't know who it was. Combination of both. One more than the other, you don't know. So, based on what Butler did last year, everybody has him overvalued. And, end of the day, he can't shoot. He can't shoot at all. And he's very intense and he's very hard to deal with. And here's a funny story. Butler came in to the heat. heat and he was starts telling Spolster, he's like, we're going to do this, this, this. Spolster pulls out his ring and goes, hey, as soon as you get one of these, we'll have a discussion. When he was with the 76ers, he was such a pain in the ass. The 76ers flew him to L.A. so he could rehab. They didn't even want him in the building. And now he's saying stuff about the young Heat players and everything like that. I'm sorry, but Butler is one of the most overrated players in the league. And what happened last year in the bubble helped his brand more than anything else. Now, instead of bashing those two, and it's going to be hard, I'll be straight up. When you have $161 million and two guys on extensions to those con- those contract numbers, it's hard to build when they're very limited. I really thought they should have got Andre Drummond because I really don't think Bam can play the five. I think Bam should be playing the four. I think they need that guy. A white side. Someone like that. A bigger guy that can play the center position. Because I don't think Bam at center long term is going to work. They also need a wing. They need a playmaking wing. Because Butler's not going to be the guy that I want closing the game or making a play at the end. I'm sorry. He's just not. They need a playmaking wing. And they thought they were getting that when they traded for Victor Oladipo. And that brings up another thing. What are you going to do with Victor Oladipo? Oladipo had an injury now, and that's the same injury I believe Kawhi had. That's going to take time to get better. Oladipo is banking on himself this year. He turned down a good extension from the Rockets because he thought... He was going to get paid this offseason, but now he's not. Do you, do you take the men on Oladipo and see if you got something there and he can be what he once was? I don't know. I, I wouldn't because he's never been the same player that he was for that one year in, in Indiana. And now you look at Drodic. Gorn's going to be 35. Do you move on, give the keys to none, or do you have him be a value part coming off the bench? I was really disappointed what I saw from him. He's a dirty little bastard, trying to fight Middleton multiple times. It's going to be an interesting offseason for the Heat, and the Heat fans have already started. Oh, we should, we got to keep Hero. Hero's done nothing. Like I said, Hero's basically Luke Kennard. I, Hero's another guy whose brand went up last year, and he's not as good as everyone thinks he is. Because remember, they could have had James Harden, but they didn't want to trade Tyler Hero. Just remember that for the Heat. And now the Heat fans are saying that Kawhi and I'll get to his performance last night later on, is coming to Miami. Like, why? He's not going to come to Miami. If anything, he'll go to New York, but he's not going to be coming to Miami. I'll tell you guys that right now. So that's the way with Heat fans and Heat culture. 
They always think Riley has this el elusive plan. Well, this is the second time he's had a plan to lure a free agent there, and it hasn't worked out. Granted, it worked with LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh. But this is the second time he's tried to do the same thing, and it hasn't worked out. So he's another one that they're putting on a pedestal, and it's like, eh, you know, last couple of years, what have you done for me lately? Granted, they had that run in the bubble, but guys, I hope you guys realize with the level my Milwaukee was playing at, if COVID didn't hit, they were coming out of the East because there was no one in the East that was beating them if they stayed healthy. And Giannis got hurt that series. Everyone magically forgets Giannis got hurt. And it was Middleton and Bledsoe on the floor. Not Middleton, Bledsoe, and Antetokounmpo. So Heat fans and Heat culture, we got to start bringing it back down to reality of what we're expecting with this team. Now, another team that made an exit a lot earlier than anyone thought was Los Angeles Lakers. Now, granted, the Lakers were screwed by injuries this year. Quite, you know, to put it bluntly, they got screwed with LeBron and AD going down. But the main thing with them is this stat. In terms of three-pointers attempted, they were 24th in the NBA. In three-pointers made, they were 21st. How the flying hell can you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who you're naturally going to run twos at, and shoot that poorly? Rob Palenka, who I felt last year in the bubble season did a great job putting together this team, that, that Laker team that won the championship, didn't surround enough shooters or enough playoff experience coming off the bench. Yeah, you got Dennis Schroeder. But Schroeder being a starter, isn't that's not his forte. He needs to be coming off the bench. He needs to be the sixth man. But when you thrust him in the starter role, you're taking away what he did best. You have KCP, who definitely there's something going on mentally because he's wide open. He's not even taking shots. They need to go out and they need to get shooters, guys that can knock down an open shot. That's got to be priority one because in this day and age of space, and three-pointers, you can't be 24th in attempts, 21st in May makes, and you have two players who are arguably in the top 15 in the league right now. That's just not cutting it. They also need a big man. Even though I truthfully feel their best lineup is when Davis is at the five, you need that big man that can come in and spill him. Granted, if this was Marcus All of your, yesteryear, that, that would have been a good signing, but it's not. It wasn't Marcus All of yesteryear. Andre Drummond, Magic Drummond, he just doesn't understand he needs to be playing like Click Capella. He tries to do way too much on the floor. Just run, get rebounds, pick and roll and dive. That's it. And because Drummond can't really shoot, having him in there just clogs up the middle and just fucks up with the spacing. They need a big man that can step out, hit a shot, and defend. And they really don't have that this year on their roster. So Palenka needs to get a big man. He needs to get shooters. And the thing is, is like everyone says AD, her AT, or okay, that's fine. Whatever. You guys can have your opinion. And I'm not going to dive into that. But I will say this. AD needs to be better. He needs to be better. You look at that game one performance, the game they lost. He needs to be better that game. No one can argue that. If this is going to be built around LeBron and AD, AD needs to be better. And that's it. Because I truthfully feel whatever team LeBron goes to, he's always going to be the best player. He can't accept 
being second fiddle. He always has to be number one. And for this to work, AD needs to be better. You need to get shooters. You need to get a quality big man. So that's what the Lakers need to do this offseason. And the last team I'm kind of going to dive into a little bit is the Portland Trailblazers. It's time to break up CJ and Dame. That's just not working. Defensively, too much of a liability. C- CJ can disappear. You Unfortunately, you need to move him for what you can do, get. Melo, great scorer, but you know he's old. You need to move him. And you need to start going in different directions. You need to get more defensive players there. And you need to get more guys that can just get stops. Because how they're built now, they just don't have anything defensively. This team is awful defensively. And they fired Terry... Terry Scott, and now the rumor is Damian Lillard wants Jason Kidd? Maybe he came out and said it publicly. I don't know. I saw it on Twitter this morning while I was scrolling through my feed. What the fuck has Jason Kidd done to show that he should be an NBA coach? He wasn't that good in Brooklyn. Granted, he he helped develop Giannis and Middleton from everything I hear and what people are saying. But in terms of being the head guy, what the fuck has he done? Hiring Kid, this could be one of those hires that kind of sets that franchise back going even down a further rabbit hole. I think Terry Scouts was great. I think he was a good coach. I, I don't like the roster buildup, though. If Dame's going to be your one, you're going to need a better defender being the two. Because if not, you just can't stop anybody. And you look at Portland defensively, that was their big issue, not the scoring. Defensively, they just could not get stops. So for them, they need to add some guys that can check and get a quality big man that can do something, anything. Because you saw how much Joker ate them up. And the thing about Denver and why Joker is so underrated is he doesn't have his running mate. And yet he just won a playoff series. Think about that. Think about that. Look at the Lakers. Lakers, AD gone. Nothing from LeBron. Nuggets, Murray dying. And look what Joker was doing. Elevating players. You had Austin Rivers who couldn't get a goddamn job. And Morris making three-pointers. So when people talk about who should be MVP, look at what Joker is doing. And look at us on that roster. And look at where they are now. Granted, I think the Suns will beat them just because they are a million times better defensively than the Nuggets were. No, excuse me, than the Trailblazers were. But I think that's going to be a hell of a series. I think the Bucks are going to beat the Nets um, alive to a nice little three-team parlay. Guys, if you can get them at any money, plus definitely take the Bucks game one. Hawks 76ers is definitely going to depend on if Embiid plays or not. And then game seven, I mean you got to think one of these home teams is going to win between the Clippers and Mavericks. I'll probably be on the first half in game under, but I will have no stake on a side with the winner playing the Jazz. And I think the Jazz have to be smiling ear to ear. I think the Jazz are the most overlooked NBA team right now and in a great position. And in this day of space and threes, the Jazz and Suns are in, are in a position to get to the Western Conference Finals with one of them being in playing either Atlanta, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, or Brooklyn for a championship. So this NBA playoffs, for as poor as the regular season has been, 
was, excuse me. These playoffs have been phenomenal. So, but anyway, it's that time of the show. Let's dive right into the NASCAR segment. Time to welcome Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports onto the show. Brandon, what is up, my man? How you doing? Doing good. How about yourself? I got no complaints, my man. Um, before we jump in to this week's NASCAR race, let me ask you, how was Charlotte, man? You were there live. You know, how was it? How how was it? Uh, from what I can remember, it, it went well. It went real well. Um, it, everybody watching on TV, it was definitely one of the most boring races that I have been to there since Truex dominated. I mean, when the same guy leads 300 60 or 20 laps, whatever it was, is not exciting. Uh, when my favorite driver's right there in second, it makes it a little bit interesting. But uh, overall, good atmosphere, good people, um, good time with friends. Racing, not so much. Our picks, not so much. So looking to be able to rebound this week. And also, you know, being a huge Boston guy, let's jump on the Bruins, man. What, what do you think of this? Uh, they played tonight against the Islanders. Thoughts on how that series is going? Tonight's huge. Um, if Tukes can play like he did uh, the other night, steal one, or steal one more tonight, uh, I'm never one of those people because I've seen people come back in series. But uh, if we can go up 3-1 against these guys and head back home and have to win one out of three, I'll be very confident we'll be moving on to the next round. Um, I think we are the better team, but it is one of those things that if, you watch, if you're watching these games, we are much better, and we are playing better, but the Islanders are doing what they need to do to stay involved and to stay in the game towards the end, and it's just a crazy puck bounce that's going to win these games, and unfortunately for the Islanders, it paid in the Bruins' favor last uh, two nights ago in overtime. Now, the other Boston team, a lot of big changes happening. Uh, Ainge out, Stevens in. First of all, I kind of feel that now I'll go. I'll ask you this question because you're the Boston guy. That they needed to move on from Danny Ainge just because how Ainge treated Isaiah Thomas, free top free agents like Anthony Davis don't want to go there anymore. Right. So, do you think it was time to move on from Ainge, or would you like to see? Would you like to see Ainge stay? I guess that's the question. I think it would have been time to move on from Ainge a couple of years ago. So when he when he got rid of the big three, well, granted, Allen, Allen left on his own. But when he got rid of the big three and then Doc Rivers said he was going to leave unless you kept the big three, and he didn't, so he left. He got all those draft picks, and I remember him. He said, Boston fans, give me five years. Give me five years, and we'll have a powerhouse. Well, he started to do that. But if you notice, we've always been one missing piece away, whether it is due to an injury or something. But to your point, he didn't go that hard after Kevin Durant when he had the opportunity. He didn't go that hard after AD when he had that opportunity. Now, I know the Isaiah Thomas thing was completely wrong, but I don't think that was 110% the reason AD didn't come. I just think Ainge, Ainge has been good at stockpiling picks and making moves and, and grabbing – Kimball Walker, one guy, and like, you know, making those let's improve, but let's not be a dominant force move. So I'm absolutely okay with him being gone. I don't mind Brad Stevens moving up into his role. Uh, 
I've been a big fan of Brad Stevens. I don't want to put any of us not winning a title on Brad Stevens. I think he has had bad luck with injuries. Uh, I mean, Kimba can't stay healthy. Uh, Brown out for the playoffs. Like, he's just had such bad luck as a coach with these players. And it's kind of crazy, like, when you look back at it, hypothetically, let's say the Celtics don't trade for Kyrie, okay? And they keep that seventh pick. They would still have Terry Rozier. I would probably say they'd be in a better position than they are right now. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, 110%. And it's crazy to think because you'd have the seventh position. From what I remember and from what I read online, they really liked Gilders Alexander. You throw Gilders Alexander on that team with Tatum and Brown, and you still have Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart. I mean, that's a great young nucleus. So it's kind of crazy what could have been. And I I agree with you. I think Stevens is going to be good in this role. I don't know how long he's going to stay in the role, though, because I think eventually he's going to want to get back into coaching. I think he's a real, yeah, I think he's a real analytics-driven guy. He was very high on the Ken Palm stuff when he was at Butler. So I think I think he's going to fit good, and I think he's going to excel in this role, at least when his kids are young. And once his kids get off to college, I think he's going to look back to get on the sidelines, have it be college or in the NBA. Now, I already went through earlier in the show four guys, four people, excuse me, because one of them is a female, who I would like to see as their next coach. Do you have any feelings on who you'd like to see as their next coach? I have one that I'm dead set on, and I don't know if it's because it's too early and I'm not really digging through what is available or who would be interested. And I saw the name. is one of the first names to come up. Recent success in NBA, I think, has been former player coaches. And I personally think Jason Kidd would be great with the Boston Celtics and the guys that are currently on the roster. His style of play back in the day is the type of play that we have now as a starting five. So I think he would gel with them really quickly. Um, one that's so far out in the field, you might just, just tell me no. But what are your thoughts of somebody like Kendrick Perkins? I hate Kendrick Perkins. I think Kendrick Perkins is a clown. Like, I mean, I don't see him on the sidelines at all. And, like, I have a couple former players on my list, too. And you can kind of tell, like, how these players... You want a former player that they respect. And I really feel like when players talk to Kendrick Perkins there's just not the same level as respect as when they talk to other color commentators that used to play in the league. Um, I agree. My my four that I would like to see them go after is, a. I think Kara Larson, I think you guys really missed her this year. Um, she left to coach Duke. I think she was instrumental in helping a lot of the players on the team develop the jump shot. And everything I've read about her, all those guys looked up to her. I think it would be... I didn't even think about her, but you're so right. I think thinking outside the box, I think that would be a great hire. Um, I like that. The next one, former player, uh, Chauncey Billups. And back to my Kendrick Perkins point, when you saw him on the NBA show on ESPN talk, be talked to by, like, former, like, current players versus how they talk to, like, Jalen Rose or Paul Pierce or Kendrick Perkins, you can tell they had much more respect for Chauncey than those other three. And he has a high basketball IQ. He's won an NBA championship. He knows how to manage guys. So 
I, I think he would be good. I think Sam Cassell is long overdue for an NBA coaching job. He was on your Celtics team that won a title back in the day. He knows how to manage egos. And lastly, I always felt Sam Mitchell got a wrong deal. I think how he works and the type of person he is and the type of coach he is, the Boston media and the Boston fans would take right to him. But I don't think he'll even get an interview. So those would kind of be my four guys I'd like to see the Celtics go after. That's a solid four. Um, one thing I gladly, or not gladly, but one thing I'll admit to anybody listening, I'm really bad with knowing coaches and seeing coaches. I'm such a player-driven mindset as a fan to where I could go through our farm system and name players left and right what I think of them. But I always struggle coaching-wise on who's available, who do you think, what do you think of their coaching, especially in the NBA. NFL a little bit different, but... The NBA, I follow, of course I follow the Boston Celtics, but I don't, I'm not that NBA driven. I don't know what it is. I'm, you know me, I'm hockey first, but I uh, I like those four that you just rattled off. And it's going to be interesting to see who they go after. I mean, like, I'll be honest, I'm not really that big of a Jason Kidd guy. Um, I I don't know. Like, when I see, like, how the Bucks did after they moved on from him to Coach Bud, I just, I don't know. I'm not really a Jason Kidd guy, though. Um, so, Sahoma this weekend. Another road course. Your boy, Elliot, is a huge betting favorite. I'm on DraftKings right now. We'll be doing, using DraftKings odds. He is plus 225 winner, minus 177 top three, minus 1,000 for top 10. That means you have to bet $1,000 just to win 100 for those who aren't familiar with how odds work. I mean, is this going to be another chalk fest race? I don't know. Um, I want to say I was wrong. On the last time we talked about a road course, Elliot was almost the same odds, and I said, "Don't touch him." It's it's you got to drop too much money to win money, and it's not worth it. And what happens? A short and rain delay race, and he wins it. Um, the kid can't lose at road courses. He can't. He's won the last six out of seven. Um, only Truex, Blaney, and somebody else have won like one or two in the last four years at road courses since Chase got in. And it's not just him winning these. It's in dominant fashion. There's a couple last year or the year before where Truex was the man to, to compete with him. Um, what do you see Truex's odds at? Truex is plus 400 winner. Plus one ten top three minus five thirty top ten. It, it depends what what type of financial financial investment you guys want to put into tomorrow. Because part of me, you've got two options here, and I'm not going to go with what I've been saying previously. On we'll just sprinkle it out and hope you grab them. You got two options: either you absolutely sprinkle it out for some guys that we'll get into here in a second with bigger odds, or you drop big on Chase and Truex and leave it alone. And just hope that there's no malfunction with the car. And we've talked about this before. That's the hardest thing about betting on NASCAR. If you see a team like uh, the Red Sox and the Orioles, and you've got $500 and you want to just win something, you're going to throw that $500 on the Red Sox because you know it's a lock. But there's no such thing as a lock in NASCAR, even though Chase has won six out of seven races. Does that make sense? Yeah, because 
there's too many variables. Instead of just one-on-one, on one, you have a whole NASCAR field. Now, granted, rain, um, cautions, like, because Elliott should have won the the, uh, the Daytona road course, but he didn't because there's that questionable caution and whatnot. So a lot of stuff can can happen. Um, my strategy is a little bit going on what you said, but a little differently. What I'm going to do is Truex over Chase is currently trading at plus 125. And I'm going to use that as my quote-unquote cover bet. So I'm betting that, and then if that wins, I'm going to cover all my smaller bets on people I pick to win the race. So You've got, you said Chase over Truex or Truex over Chase? Truex over Chase. I'm going to take okay. that one. And that's at plus 125. So hypothetically, let's say I put three units on that to win 3.75 units. I'll put one unit on Harvick. And if you look at the last two finishes at Sonoma, his average finish is four. And he's currently, what is he at? 18 to one. Yeah. And he's, and he's desperate. He's de- he needs a win right now. He's a desperate driver. Um, and then Hamlin, his last two finishes at Sonoma are seven, are seven and a half. And he's another desperate guy. And he is currently trading at 10 to 1. So those two will be my two one-unit plays. And then I'm going to take shots with, I don't know quite who else yet, but I'll throw a couple half units or maybe a quarter unit shots in a couple guys where I at least will have, if Truex beats Elliott as the cover bet, will be making money on the day. Right. So... Now, now the million dollar question is who are who are the long shots that we're going to be looking at? Um, so he, he's he's not a long shot, but Christopher Bell he showed it at that Daytona Road Course. Um, he can run up front. He's twenty eight to one. Um, it's not a huge long shot, but uh, he's definitely sticking out to me. And also Tyler Reddick, which we've talked about multiple weeks. You've liked him a couple weeks. He's been in the mix. It's almost like he's due for one. Uh, he's sitting at thirty-five to one as well. You know what an interesting thing would be is if we could go back because there's been one driver that's just always fucking there, and that's Chris Busher. If we could kind of go back and see what the odds would be if we would just be betting him top ten every single week because he's always at like plus two twenty-five, plus four hundred. In somewhere in that range, what do you think of uh, Busher? He's at uh, eighty to one. Yeah, it, which I've told you this before, and I, I know it's they don't know anything that we don't know. But it's weird that Vegas pushes him at eighty to one rather than the normal one twenty five, one fifty five, like that at a road course. So, I, I, how am I trying to word this? I'm not. I'm not the type of person to think anything is rigged or jinxed or, or whatever, none of that stuff. But always, when something like that stands out, it's like, wait a second, Vegas, in your mind, what are you guys seeing or knowing that puts him there, rather where you've put him the whole season, even where he's been finishing? Exactly, exactly. But it's important to remember with him, and I may be off on this, 
the only times he's won a race is when it's been rain shortage, right? Correct. So that's important to remember with uh, Chris Buescher. What about now, oh, what about my boy Suarez? I don't know why, but I like this motherfucker. You know what I mean? I, I do. I do too. Um, <clears throat> I do too. He uh, he's got a lot of things going. He's got a big backing with Trackhouse and Pitbull. Um, when I was at the race, I ran into a friend of mine. I won't give any names, but uh, I ran into a friend of mine that worked for NASCAR, and uh, this person had dinner with uh, Suarez's team himself and Pitbull the other night, and I can't get into details of what Pitbull is going to be doing in the future with NASCAR, but he is looking to get heavily involved, and he has so much backing on uh, Daniel Suarez that Suarez's confidence is growing consistently week by week, and you can see it in the performances. I, we could go back to like a recording on probably week two where we were just crapping on him, like, ah, oh, he doesn't have a chance, it's a track house car, it's a new team, it's kind of like the Bubba situation, like, he's just, he's going to be around. But week after week, the car is getting better, the driver's getting better, the pit stops are getting better. He is at 100 to 1. If we're doing a sprinkle system for a long shot, absolutely, he's another guy that's been in the mix when we haven't expected him to be there. And that's just the thing, like, you kind of hit on the head, and, I mean, to um, compare it to basketball, you have to have confidence. And you look at uh, Pope from the Lakers. He has wide-open jump shots, and he's not taking it. Suarez Correct. is having a backing, and he's finally having people believe in him. So he has confidence in himself, and he's walking out with his chest out and everything. So, I mean, 100 to 1, definitely worth a little, uh, little sprinkle. Um, now... I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. I've never seen one guy struggle as much as I've seen this guy this season. And it just seems can one guess, thing. Can I, can I guess it? Yeah, go ahead. Eric Almarola. Yeah, I'm looking at him right now, 200 to 1. Yeah. It's just amazing never, how much I've never this guy seen is. His odds that high. It's just I've amazing how much this guy has gotten shit on this year. It, it, and we, we've tried to. <laughs> I wish he'd listen to this because we've tried to build him up on a weekly basis that. He's in great equipment, has great teammates, an owner. He is a good driver, but I thought about it. I think he's still in his head from when he broke his back a couple years ago at, uh, I want to say Vegas. I can't remember the track, but when he broke his back. And I thought about that the other day, and I'm like, wait a second. This guy's never been the same and hasn't been able to rattle off any consistency since he broke his back. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of the same thing with Newman since that big one in uh, Daytona. You know, like, once these guys have a mental block, I mean, it's just hard to do anything at all in a race Look at Dale Jr. when he finally had that severe concussion that kept him out for three or four weeks. The next year, he retired. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I get so frustrated and passionate about it when... I hear people say, oh, they only take left-hand turns, or, oh, the NASCAR drivers aren't athletes. It's like, any time they strap themselves in that car on a Sunday, a Saturday, whatever they're racing, they're literally risking their life for four hours, and people still want to butcher that it's just a left-hand turn. And that's the thing, like, how hot was it in uh, Charlotte last week? 
Cool. We can't use this one as an example because for once it's actually like 72 oh. degrees. It was the best weather we've ever had. But to your point, we're normally sitting outside of a race car with a canopy over us baking in a heat so bad. And those guys are in a full-blown track suit for multiple hours, not being able to piss, pissing their pants, and being in basically a sauna. For like multiple hours. So when they get out of that race, they're insanely dehydrated. You guys have to understand like the the training they have to do it just in their neck alone. So that way if they do get hit, that you know what I mean? Their muscles can stabilize. The forearms to be able to turn the wheels and control the wheel of a car going triple digits. The flexibility in your hips and back and your legs to be able to sit in that position for four hours. You know what I mean? It's just insane to me. Like I, I've played low level professional sports. I've played high level collegiate sports. My knees, if I'm in a two hour car ride, I get out of the car and I mean, I'm like an old man. I mean, I finished working out this morning and I had a limp going to the kitchen to grab some water. So, I mean, it's, these guys are high-level athletes, but you're right. They just don't get a pass. No, I've told people, if you want to even try and compare what it's like, which you can't do because you can't do it unless you get in the car, take a 10, 20-pound weight, hold it 6 to 12 inches from your chest, sit in a chair straight up and down, and every every 15 seconds, turn the wheel to the left, turn the wheel to the left, and go ahead and do that for about two and a half hours when sitting and not being able to flex and not being able to get water and not, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just insane. Um, what about a Kozlowski 30 to one and B the rumors that he may not be re-upped in the two car. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. He was so close to being out of the two car this season, not because of performance, almost more just due to change. Um, I don't like him at 28 to 1 or, or 30. He's not. He's, again, he's doing well and enough to be around, but he hasn't shown anything, especially at a road course recently, that really has me wanting to even put any money on him. Mm-hmm. Um, the really, 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 really long shot that if I am going to even touch just barely. And this could fall flat on our face, but something's standing out when it comes to Ryan Priest at the really? last road course at Coda. Now, granted, it was raining uh, for most of the race. He was in the top ten for a while. I have to go back and see where he actually finished at that road course. But this guy—he's another one of those drivers like Michael McDowell that's not going to win unless it's a super speedway, or it's going to be some sort of strategy that he pulls off. At a road course. Um, do you think he will ever get a chance in a bigger car? Ryan Priest? Yeah. Uh, no. And the, the reason behind that is, for example, let's say Brad's out of the two car and Ryan Priest's contract's up. Well, they're going to grab somebody like Austin Sindrick or Noah Gregson or somebody like that out of Xfinity and put that talent in the two car before they would think about putting somebody that's just mediocre. 
that, that's the unfortunate part. Like next year, let's say Bubba leaves. Oh, speaking of that, the source that I spoke to over the weekend at Charlotte, I immediately brought up, I brought up you and me talking about how Bubba, Bubba being out and what could happen. And my source told me the, the chances are they're going to give Bubba one more season in the, in the 23 only because it's their first year as a team that they're going to go ahead and keep him for one more season. But if anything like this year continues to happen, he will 100% not have a job the following year. So what about the stuff about him adding a second car? That, that wasn't, she didn't discuss that with me. Um, Cause I, I was trying to trying to dive in and again, see what kind of info I could get from her. But she basically told me that uh, he's got one more year to really be able to show anything. And that's going to be it. I do think the second car is coming. Cause if you look at all the single car teams, you really don't have one yeah, that's successful unless it's, it's partnered up like Matty D in the 21 with the Wood Brothers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's labeled the Wood Brothers, but the car is at the Penske shop. So technically, it's a Penske car. These other teams, like Trackhouse, they might get some of their equipment from other teams, but they're a one-shop team. They have a little shop with one car. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I definitely think you'll see the 23 team add another car. Don't know who would go in it. Maybe that's when Bubba stays for another year and Cindric comes in in the other car. Um, back to your boy uh, Ryan um, Pierce. Um, Priest. Priest. I'm looking at his past results. The Daytona Road Course, he finished ninth, and in Texas, he finished fifteenth. So him at plus five fifty at ten to one. That that's an interesting one that could make the card. I kind of like Correct. that. Um, would you say would you say his top ten odds are plus five fifty? Oh wow! So that's definitely interesting in that one. What about uh, Eric Jones? God, he's one seventy five. It was weird because he he shot us in the foot last week because be, even being there in person and watching practice and watching qualifying, I thought he had a hot rod. And the second the race started, he just faded, and you, you didn't hear anything about him. Like it was, it was nowhere to be found. So I mean, do you think he's no chance this week, or? If anything, I'd put him in a top 10 card, but I'm just going to go back to what we said at the very beginning. Chase and Truex, how how you can't pick both of them or one of them or put heavy on one or heavy on both, I don't know how you can't steer away from that. I mean, Truex, I think Truex has actually been better at Sonoma than Chase has. Yes. I don't believe Chase has won Sonoma. Now that I just think about that, I think that has been Truex's go-to road course. Last two years, Truex has won both of them. Last two years, average finish, 20.5. One top 10, one top 20. Yeah, I think he's had some bad luck there. So, so that, that just tells you right there, like you're, you're plus 125 on the Truex over Chase. That could that could still win your cards overall. I like. Um, I'm not. It's hard for me to go against Chase mentally as a fan, and just what he's done recently. So, 
like I said, I think we got two options. Do what you're doing to where you have your your one pick of head to head that could get all your money back and some, and then throw some money around, or you just flat out drop money on Chase and Truex and cross your fingers. So that's it, guys. You heard it from Brad and myself. Pick one of them, or pick both of them, or do what I'm doing the head to head. Um, Brandon. Always pleasure coming on, talking about NASCAR, talking about Boston sports and everything. Appreciate you coming on a little earlier in the day. Um, why don't you tell everybody where to find you and what's going on with iRacing? Yeah, uh, off the post, Boston sports, uh, Instagram and Facebook, iRacing, uh, Thursday night at Martinsville. We had the third fastest truck as a team in, uh, in the world in iRacing for Martinsville going into the race. Um, I completely butchered qualifying and locked the wheels up and started 28th within within 42 laps out of 200 at Martinsville. I was able to climb all the way up to 11th. I uh, drove around an eighth for a while. Uh, we were about 100 laps in on the same set of tires. It was a long green flag run. I took a risk, came into pit, won a lap down, got my lap back. Started back again at about 30th, drove my way to uh, 11th, got pushed back to 15th, and we had a restart with about 13 to go. The guy in front of me spun, guy behind me couldn't let off, put us in the wall, ended up P19. Unfortunately, we have one week to go. We're sitting 119th out of 1,800. They take the top 70. Um, two, just to give you guys an idea, I'm 231 points out of 70th. And I got 251 points for finishing 10th at Charlotte a couple weeks ago. So, we do have an opportunity. It is going to be a long shot. We're either going to have to win, get a top five, have some other guys fade. But uh, if we don't do it this year, it's, it's definitely been a fun ride for my first year in Road to Pro. And uh, we'll try and get back at it next year. But Boston Boy 83 on Twitch for iRacing. Come join the family. It's a lot of fun, guys. Um. So question if you win the race does that mean you're in automatically like you are in nascar or is it points driven it does not because since there is 1800 drivers and there's about 17 different splits of races they couldn't do that um we just had some bad luck man uh when i'm telling you we had the or i had the fastest truck with my teammate in the same split last week he finished like 21st we just it was bad luck there. Um, we've had it to where we had the perfect pit strategy um, a couple weeks ago at Charlotte. Should have won the race. Ended up 10th. Talladega got off pit cycle again. No caution came out. Couldn't get back in the draft. Finished 27th. It, it's been such a learning curve. A huge shout out to my guys at CGE, uh, the team, um, for building the sets. We're wicked fast. It's just... It's a learning curve. It's disappointing. I'm not going to lie to sit here and say it's disappointing knowing that I'm sitting outside that top 70. But for it being my first year in Road to Pro and being able to say I'm close to a top 100 out of 1,800, that would definitely be a morale booster going into next year regardless of how we do at Dover. Okay. Well, I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Send me the link. I'll tweet it out. I'll put it on my Instagram. Guys, make sure you give Brandon a follow and turn tune in this week for the race. Awesome, guys. Well, good luck. Go get some winners next week. We owe it to you guys. And, uh, I feel confident in the strategies. 
thanks for Brandon for coming on, guys. We're recording this a little earlier in the day than we normally do. It's early as hell where he is, so I appreciate him taking time out of his weekend to come on because I have to do some coaching this afternoon. So thanks again for Brandon for coming on. Guys, please support him. He comes on here week after week after week and gives you guys winners. Support him. Give him a follow. Watch his Twitch account. I'll be watching this Thursday. I will tweet out the link, and I will put it on my Instagram account. So please, 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 please support and watch him. That's it for the show today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I will be back next week with Brandon, as usual, diving into the NASCAR race for next week. I'll also be on the Gino Bacala show next week during the week talking about NBA this week in the NBA. Thanks for tuning in. Again, if you're interested in joining the betting team, I have one spot that is open up. So please, if you're interested, DM me and you can join the team. Be safe, be well, have a great weekend. And as normal, let's cash some tickets, boys.